0: Hello everyone and welcome to the November 27th edition of the Workup Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our crime report. Two married former Tustin police officers have been charged with numerous felonies related to their false workers' compensation claims filed with the city of Tustin, claiming They both suffered chronic back pain due to wearing their full-duty belt and vest. But video surveillance and the couple's own photos and videos showed the former officers engaged in an active lifestyle while being paid workers' compensation disability for their claimed injuries. The couple was seen vacationing in Mammoth and mountain biking and boating, also flying internationally to go on a scuba diving trip, as well as working on various home improvement projects. 40-year-old Kendall Hurd and her husband, 38-year-old Kyle Hurd, have both been charged with multiple felony counts of insurance fraud and multiple counts of perjury or attempted perjury. If convicted of any of the charged felonies, they will lose any pension benefits that accrued from the date of the commission of the crime and they will be prohibited from working as peace officers in the future. Kendall Hurd worked as a police officer for the city of Santa Barbara for two and a half years before joining the Tustin Police Department in 2015. And Kyle Hurd worked as a police officer for the city of Montclair for three years before joining the Tustin Police Department in 2014. But they were both terminated in July 2021. Kyle Hurd filed a workers' comp claim in 2018 claiming he was suffering constant back pain as a result of wearing his duty duty belt and gear, as well as getting in and out of his patrol car. And less than a year later, after returning to work from the international scuba trip, Kendall Hurd filed a nearly identical workers' compensation claim as her husband. The herds both told their workers' compensation doctors that their pain increased with activity and improved with rest, and did not disclose to their doctors that they, in fact, were capable of doing much more than what they represented. After Kyle Herd was suspended, it was discovered that he sent a text to one of his friends that bragged about receiving unnecessary medical treatment because he was a good actor. NorCal Pharmacies Incorporated, doing business as a Lockford drug in Lockford, California, and the pharmacist owner, Lawrence Howen, have agreed to pay a million dollars in penalties to resolve allegations of violations of the Controlled Substances Act. The defendants agreed to a permanent injunction against them, which bars them from dispensing controlled substances, owning a company that dispenses controlled substances, or employing another person that dispenses these controlled substances. The injunction states that the defendants dispense more than a hundred thousand oxycodone and hydrocodone pills based on invalid prescriptions presented by Joe Anthony Bernal, who is a defendant charged in the Northeast District of California in a separate criminal case. This was despite circumstances that were highly suggestive that Bernal was not presenting them with legitimate prescriptions and the defendants took no steps to determine the validity of those prescriptions. Bernal is charged with conspiring with several others to illegally acquire and distribute oxycodone and hydrocodone. Nursing facilities owner has resolved a kickback case for $45.6 million. Prima Trachek, her Vacaville-based management company, Paxson Incorporated, and six skilled nursing facilities they owned or operated have agreed to enter into a $45.6 million consent judgment to resolve allegations that they paid kickbacks to physicians to induce patient referrals. The defendants entered into medical directorship agreements with physicians that purported to provide compensation for administrative services, but in reality were vehicles for the payment of kickbacks to induce the physicians to refer patients to these six skilled nursing facilities. Specifically, the defendants hired physicians who promised in advance to refer a large number of patients to the facilities, and paid these physicians in proportion to the number of their expected referrals, but then terminated the physicians who did not refer enough patients. The defendants will make scheduled payments to the United States of at least $385,000 over the next five years. The settlement stems from a whistleblower complaint filed in 2015 by Paxson's former Vice President of Operations and Chief Operating Officer, who will share in the proceeds of the suit under federal whistleblower statutes. And in regulatory news, Consumer Watchdog reports that 32 members of California's Democratic congressional delegation wrote a letter to the insurance commissioner, Ricardo Lara, expressing their concern that a plan he announced in September with insurers overpricing for homeowner coverage in wildfire areas would diminish the insurance commissioner's regulatory power and threaten the consumer protections established in Insurance Reform Proposition 103 passed by California voters. Prop 103 made the insurance commissioner's office an elected post, and uh, Representative Garamundi was the first elected commissioner in California. This month, in the 35th anniversary of the voters' approval of Proposition 103, which overcame a record $63 million insurance industry campaign against it, Prop 103 implemented the strongest insurance consumer protections in the nation, according to the Consumer Federation of America, and has saved, they say, California homeowners, drivers, and business owners hundreds of billions of dollars on their insurance. Documents uncovered by consumer watchdog through a public records request reveal details of a a deal struck by the insurance commissioner with carriers overpricing on home insurance coverage in wildfire areas in California. And behind the scenes at the state capitol, California is launching an unprecedented $1.2 billion overhaul of its employment development department, the EDD as it recovers from a pandemic that left millions of workers waiting for payments and tens of billions of dollars lost as a result of fraud. A year-long CalMatters investigation found that the state was primed for disaster by years of missed red flags and failed reforms. Once COVID hit, public records and interviews reveal that EDD was initially friendlier to the scammers than to many real workers, and then the state got so aggressive that many workers struggled to prove their own identities. Amid this chaos, the EDD and its unemployment payment contractor, Bank of America, split a half a billion dollars in revenue, although the bank says it ultimately spent more than that amount to cover its fraud losses. Another large EDD contractor, Deloitte, made more than a quarter of a billion dollars on tech contracts and emergency contracts to build systems that the state reports say buckle during the pandemic. California officials say it will take five years, $1.2 billion, and a new model for government contracting to overhaul the EDD. And the effort is known as EDD Next, which officially started late last year. A 100-person team is now leading the rebuild and is already signing multi-million-dollar contracts for Salesforce and Amazon Technology. At the same time, the EDD is quietly making plans to move on from its turbulent relationship with longtime employment. uh, payment contractor, Bank of America, and the EDD will begin rolling out a new benefit debit card and eventually a direct deposit payment option from a different, yet-to-be-named, contractor. After the Great Recession, the state paid Deloitte to upgrade several facets of its operation, including part of its claim management systems, in a series of contracts that ballooned to more than $152 million from 2010 to 2018. That system was one of several that buckled during the COVID, but Deloitte was awarded another $118 million as the state doled out emergency pandemic funds. The irony of this, as Jennifer Pakla wrote in her book, Recoding America, is that the money went to the very vendor which built the ineffectual systems in the first place. A new law which takes effect next year requires employers to reimburse the costs of a food handler training. The California Retail Food Code, contained in Health and Safety Code Part 7, provides for the regulation of health and sanitation standards for retail food facilities by the State Department of Public Health. A food handler is required to obtain a food handler card within 30 days of their date of hire and to maintain a valid food handler card for the duration of their employment. A recent New York Times investigative report this year claimed that when new restaurant workers pay the $15 to take the online class in food safety provided by a company known as Serve Safe, they are also helping to fund a nationwide lobbying campaign to keep their wages from increasing. The Times article claims that Serve Safe doubles as a fundraising arm of the National Restaurant Association, NRA, which has spent decades fighting increases to the minimum wage at the state and federal levels. ServSafe is the dominant food handling training company in the country, controlling an estimated 70% of the market. They make money by charging workers for food handling training in all 50 states. Generally speaking, if an employer requires employees to obtain training, the employer is required to pay for that training which is both a federal requirement under the Fair Labor Standards Act, as well as a state requirement under the California Labor Code. However, if a certification is required by the state in order to be employed in a given employment category, there is generally no requirement that an employer pay for training leading to licensure or certification. As a result of this New York Times article, a California legislator introduced SB 476, which was approved by the legislature and signed by Governor Newsom. This new law requires employers to consider the time it takes for the employee to complete the training and examination as compensable hours worked, for which the employer is required to pay and to also pay the employee for any necessary expenditures or losses associated with the employee obtaining a food handler card it also requires an employer to relieve an employee of all other work duties while the employee is taking the training course and examination and it also prohibits employers from conditioning employment on an applicant or employee having an existing food handler card And in medical news, when a claims administrator is setting reserves for a lifetime award, it might be important to consider that the life expectancy for men continues to decline. According to new research published this month in the Journal of the American Medical Association, Internal Medicine, the life expectancy of men in the U.S. is nearly six years shorter than that for women as life expectancy at birth in the U.S. decreased for the second consecutive year, and the gap between women and men widened to 5.8 years, its largest since 1996, and an increase from below low of 4.8 years in 2010. For more than a century, U.S. women have outlived men, attributable to lower cardiovascular and lung cancer death rates, related largely to differences in smoking behavior. This new study systematically examined the contributions of COVID-19 and other underlying causes of death to the widening gender gap from 2010 to 2021. The decline in life expectancy in the U.S. suggests that advancements in medical treatment are no longer sufficient to counter ongoing public health crises. And one of the authors of the study noted that we have a health care system that is very advanced in treating illnesses and advanced disease, but for the most part it is not very good when it comes to preventative care. And Kaiser Health News reports that the Biden administration's first major step towards imposing limits on the pharmacy benefit managers, that's PBMs, is backfiring, and it's adding to the woes of the independent drugstores it was partially designed to help. PBMs have long clawed back a fee from pharmacies weeks or months after they dispense a drug and these clawbacks have ballooned from about $9 million in 2010 to $12.6 billion in 2021. Performance fees have also boosted Medicare patients' prescription costs at the pharmacy counter by hundreds of millions of dollars, although insurers assert that the fees enable them to charge lower premiums. The new rule set to take effect January 1st requires PBMs to take most of their performance fees at the time prescriptions are filled. Pharmacist groups initially supported the Medicare rule change, but they did not anticipate the PBMs' response, which has been to demand they accept new contracts with draconian cuts to their payments for dispensing medicines. If pharmacies refuse these new contracts, they risk losing Medicare customers, likely to be the same giant PBM conglomerates, which have absorbed a growing share of the pharmacy business in recent years. PBM practices even put the squeeze on national chains like Rite Aid, Kroger, and Walgreens, which are not part of these conglomerates. Even CVS Health, which owns one of the three leading PBMs, has closed stores or trimmed staff as it pushes consumers to mail-order pharmacy services. Some pharmacies are now setting aside savings or even taking out short-term loans to cover the losses they expect in the early months of next year. According to a survey and data collected by the American Physical Therapy Association, that's APTA, A-P-T-A the job vacancy rate for physical therapists in outpatient setting last year was 17 percent. In broad terms, the report reveals that the coronavirus pandemic ramped up an already existing shortage of personnel in outpatient clinics, but. That relocation and pay, rather than concerns about the pandemic, are now the main factors uh, driving employees' decisions to leave a clinic. Wait times are generally long across the nation, as patients tell of waiting weeks or even months for appointments, but the crunch is particularly acute in rural areas and places with a high cost of living like California, which has a lower ratio of therapists to residents. And in other industry news, Bill Zachary is known throughout the risk management industry as a champion of workers' compensation reform. He currently serves as chair of the Audit Committee on the board of the State Compensation Insurance Fund. Prior to serving on the SCIF board, Bill spent 10 years as the chair of the California Fraud Assessment Commission. He also was the group vice president of risk management at Safeway Albertsons for 15 years. While there, he was awarded Risk Manager of the Year by RIMS, as well as Workers' Compensation Professional of the Year from the CCWC in 2016. He also spent three years as a senior fellow on the Sedgwick Institute, where he did research and writing on many risk management issues. He currently authors a number of articles for the workers' comp through leadership series. His recent article voiced his views on how AI is revolutionizing the workers' compensation industry. He wrote that AI represents the future of workers' compensation. However, like all new technologies, AI is not without its challenges and detractors. Data privacy and security, he says, is crucial to ensure the privacy and security of the sensitive data that AI systems will be using. And significant challenges will arise in integrating AI systems with existing software and databases in the workers' compensation industry. There are many potential regulatory hurdles that may slow down the adoption of AI and workers' comp, as aligning AI technologies with existing regulations and standards is difficult due to the overlap and lack of coordination among industrial and non-industrial disability programs. Like the implementation of any new technology, he says it is essential to train and educate current workers' compensation professionals about AI systems, Ensuring that adjusters and other stakeholders understand how to use AI tools effectively and interpret the output is uh, crucial. So that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device. By searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And remember, we also publish our daily news, podcast, and other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd Skaron, Manukian, Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news. <music>